0: what's on your mind? Perhaps that's not the most accurate question, but the right answer on mine is Friday, as we are now at the end of the five-day grind. It's February 12, 2021, and this is another installment of the Charlottesville Community Engagement newsletter and newscast. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, for another look at what's been happening in local government meetings. On today's show, an update on city parks at the Parks and Recreation Advisory Board, And the Places 29 North Advisory Committee gets an update on the affordable housing plan as well as developments in that area. This edition of the show is supported by the many people who have been generous with a paid subscription to Substack or a monthly contribution to Patreon to help me keep the lights on while I bring you this information each week. This venture would not be possible without your support, and I'm grateful to bring context to the community in this manner. If you've not been able to do so so far, that's okay. Just make sure you send this along to someone else so we can grow the audience. And now, both of our segments today touch upon the pandemic in some way, so we should go ahead and get the numbers out of the way. All this week, the number of new COVID cases in Virginia has been in the 3,000s range, with 3,191 reported today. The seven-day percentage for positive results is now at 10%, down from 16.4% a month ago. In the Blue Ridge Health District, the number of cases in Charlottesville is once again beginning to increase, similar to mid-September when students began to arrive at the University of Virginia for in-person instruction. There are 42 cases today reported in Charlottesville, and the seven-day average in the city is now at 25 The COVID tracker at the University of Virginia now lists 222 active cases, with 201 of these being students. That figure will be updated one more time this afternoon before the weekend begins. The Charlottesville Parks and Recreation Advisory Board had not met for 11 months before their first virtual meeting of the year last night. Since then, council took an action that changed the group's relationship to city government. Ned Mickey is the new chair of the Parks and Recreation Advisory Board.
1: We appear to have been demoted as they were talking about and that we're now an advisory committee to staff rather than a
0: city council appointed advisory board. The group covered a lot of ground and got a lot of information from staff about what the department has been up to since the pandemic shut down government operations. Vic Garber is the deputy director of Parks and Recreation.
1: All parks are still open uh, to include our open space, our basketball courts, tennis courts, playgrounds, trails, and our shelters. Uh, We still uh, do not take reservations at our shelters.
0: However, restrooms at outdoor parks are all closed, except at the skate park and the golf courses, due to the volume of people at those locations. Also closed are the city's indoor recreational centers and indoor pools. With spring and summer not too far away, many are wondering what the schedule will be to open.
1: Uh, We do still follow um, CDC guidelines, Virginia Department of Health guidelines, and local ordinances in everything that we do. The pools are still closed because we have, do not have uh, permission to open those pools yet
0: uh, from city council. Garber said park attendance has increased and recreation programs have pivoted to online, but other usual parks and rec offerings are still on hold.
1: Athletics is still at a standstill. Youth basketball was canceled. Uh, normally we have about 500 youth participating.
0: Garber said he expected representatives from Little League Baseball to ask council to allow them to prepare for them to play ball in the spring. Governor Ralph Northam has amended the state of emergency to allow this to occur and for games to be played in front of up to 25 spectators. Presently, the
1: city is is still in phase two. If you remember, the county went to phase three. We stayed in phase two uh, in late uh,
0: July. That caps gatherings to no more than 10 people. So
1: in a nutshell, we can practice, we can scrimmage, but we cannot have competition.
0: The pandemic is not the only natural disaster going on at this time. The emerald ash borer is devastating ash trees in Virginia, and the Parks Department is preparing and has been removing affected specimens. The City's Tree Commission is requesting council spend at least $50,000 to try to treat trees and fight the spread. Parks Director Todd Brown said that may just delay the inevitable.
1: You can just count them, basically, all the ash trees are going to die. It's a question of when. We've, you know, we are treating some of them. A, a small portion of money is going towards treating, you know, and working with the tree commissions on which trees those really should be, as well as our arborists.
0: Brown said it is now a matter of triage and that people will notice this spring when the leaves come back. He said this will become a more pressing issue over time. City Planning Commission Chair Hosea Mitchell asked an important question, and he was answered by trails planner Chris Jenzik.
1: What exactly is Emerald ash boar? Is that an insect, or what is that? It's a little bug that gets in the bark and cuts off the blood flow effectively to the tree.
0: But back to pools. The city is continuing to rebuild the heating, ventilating, and air conditioning system at Smith Aquatic and Fitness Center, a facility that opened in 2010 and has been plagued with issues.
1: We're a little bit ahead of schedule, so it looks like we may have a May completion. And hopefully in the future, we're, we're projecting possibly to be open sometime in June uh, if we're giving a, given approval to do so. Pro
0: Pool has been revamped and is ready to open, but requires council approval to do so. That applies to all facilities, and Garber said the department is getting ready.
1: Uh, At this point, we don't know what opening will look like, Um, but we are preparing to open all facilities.
0: Even though they are no longer specifically charged with advising council, the board discussed how they could encourage council to begin to open up facilities. They opted to work on a letter in advance of council's discussion next Tuesday about the city's COVID ordinance. This morning, I had the opportunity to ask officials at UVA Health what they think about the potential for these openings. Dr. Kosti Safri is an infectious diseases expert at the University of Virginia Hospital. He urges caution. We have um, the prospect of a vaccine um, that's highly effective against the strain, uh, the, the predominant strains in the United States. We have um, a lot of hope. Uh, But we also do have the challenge of maybe these new new variants. We'll have more from Dr. Safri in the next installment of this program. Also on the agenda at Council on Tuesday is an update on the city market. Here's Deputy Director Garber once more.
1: Um, We are requesting to keep the market in its current lease location area. Everyone knows it's at 100 Water Street to maintain the market continuity for vendors and the customers. If council approves the sublease next week, uh, city market will return starting April the 3rd. But we do not know the format for the market and uh, whether it's going to be a drive-through or pickup only in-person shopping or whatever.
0: More on the city council agenda and the rest of what's coming up in local government this week will be made available in the next installment of the Week Ahead newsletter, sponsored by the Piedmont Environmental Council. That should be coming out on Sunday. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. With the COVID pandemic still raging, today's Patreon-fueled shout-out comes from an anonymous contributor, who once again states clearly, We keep each other safe, wear a mask, wash your hands, and keep your distance. Before we begin the next segment in earnest, a quick notification to you that a public comment period for Albemarle's draft housing plan ends on Monday. Take a look at the county's website to read the plan and to fill out a questionnaire. The first objective is to increase the housing supply to meet the needs of an Albemarle population projected by the Weldon Cooper Center to be 138,485 by the year 2040, up from a current estimate of over 110,000. Here's how that plan reads. To accommodate this growth, the county will need to add approximately 11,750 new units to our housing stock over the next 20 years. The majority of this need, 8,134 units, or 69% of the required new housing, is projected to be met with units already in the residential development pipeline. This means the county must support the development of an additional 3,616 units to fully accommodate projected household growth through 2040. Members of the Places 29 North Community Advisory Committee had the chance to ask questions about the plan last night. Bo McLaughlin sent a long list of comments and questions to staff about the plan.
1: A lot of them were coming from the concern about the health of the people that are uh, going to be living in these developments in terms of how much density are we going to trade for uh, low-income housing. And... I'm wondering if if we get too much density, do we have uh, housing areas, housing developments that, that aren't really good for anybody to live in?
0: McLaughlin questioned the county's policy of restricting development to designated growth areas. And that total is 35 square miles. And I don't know how much of that 35 square miles is left. The reason the county has community advisory committees is to shepherd the various master plans. The idea, in general, has been to encourage density. Here's what the introduction of the county's comprehensive plan currently says. A large part of planning for the future has been the county's commitment to its growth management policy. The growth management policy directs development into specific identified areas for vibrant growth, while conserving the remainder of the county for rural uses, such as agriculture, forestry, and resource protection. The Comprehensive Plan was last adopted in June of 2015. Furthermore, Objective 4 of the Development Areas Chapter calls for the efficient use of land to prevent premature expansion of those areas, and Objective 5 calls for density to create new compact urban areas. The county is just beginning a review of the Comprehensive Plan. Here's Rivana District Supervisor B. Lepisto-Kirtley.
1: We have two choices in Albemarle County. Either we make full use of our developable area, which probably means eventually going higher in density or going higher in buildings. Uh, maybe you know multi-story apartment buildings uh, closer to the center of downtown. You don't want to build them out in the middle of nowhere. You want to build them, you know, uh, where people can go shopping, where people could, can go to the grocery store and things like that nearby. Or you go into the rural areas, which if we start going, if we crack that nut and go into the rural areas, which may happen eventually, I don't know. But if that happens, we lose Albemarle, in my opinion.
0: On the agenda for the Places 29 North Committee last night was an update on growth that is currently underway in the area. There are multiple apartment complexes and new development under construction or under planning consideration in the Places 29 North area. One of them is for RST residences. They seek a rezoning for redevelopment of the Ridgewood Mobile Home Park along US-29. A community meeting before the Places 29 North committee was held last July. The rezoning from R-1 would allow for 244 apartment units and 108 townhome units. Michaela Accardi is a county planner.
1: That's a total of 370 units. Um, 50% of these units are proposed to be designated as affordable.
0: The Planning Commission will take up this rezoning request on March 2nd. The Forest Lakes Community Association is organizing opposition to the request. Over 400 people have signed a petition calling for supervisors to deny the request. Scott Eliff is on the association's board of directors.
1: We've done a lot of research and analysis on it. It's troubling to us in a lot of different ways. We'll certainly be very active at the planning commission meeting.
0: Currently under construction is the Brook Hill development, which was approved by the Board of Supervisors in November 2016. That new community is being built in phases.
1: This project is approved for a maximum of 1,550 dwelling units, as well as a um, 130,000 square feet of non-residential space.
0: Another development that is soon to get under construction is North Point, which was approved by the Board of Supervisors in 2006. The land remained undeveloped for many years, but infrastructure for the property has been constructed in the past couple of years.
1: The project is approved to develop a maximum of 893 units, um, as well as commercial and office space, Um, None of the uh, blocks have been approved to be built so far.
0: That refers to approval of site plans, which is a ministerial function that requires approval of staff if the developer meets all of the conditions in the rezoning. There are still remaining units available allowed in Hollymead Town Center under a 2003 rezoning that has not yet been built. Take a look at the newsletter for details on other rezonings in the area. Albemarle County has entered into an agreement with Piedmont Housing Alliance to use some of the county's allotment of federal housing vouchers for the first phase of the redevelopment of Southwood Mobile Home Park. Habitat for Humanity of Greater Charlottesville was able to secure a rezoning for this first phase, which would see new construction along Old Lynchburg Road on land that is currently wooded. Now, Piedmont Housing Alliance will develop the actual new homes and will seek low-income housing tax credits to make the project more financially feasible. The agreement with Albemarle County could help the application's chances with the Virginia Housing Development Authority, an entity that now goes by the name Virginia Housing. This application for Southwood Apartments A would be for 76 affordable rental units, with 58 of those being two bedrooms. These would be in two three-story buildings. Applications for what is called LIHTC credit are due in March. Other applications in the area are expected to come from Virginia Supportive Housing for Redevelopment of the Red Carpet Inn in a collaboration with Piedmont Housing. Piedmont Housing is also submitting an application for the second phase of the redevelopment of Friendship Court in the city of Charlottesville. And that's it for this edition of the Charlottesville Community Engagement newscast and newsletter. Thank you very much for listening today, and we'll go ahead and close this one up. I do want to thank you for listening. Uh, If you are one of the people who listens to the end of these things, thank you so much. Drop me a line. Let me know how you're doing. I'm always here for questions if I have time to answer them, and I will make time for those of you who are paying subscribers, so thank you to those. And if you're not a paying subscriber, I will probably still answer your question because I am here to do one thing, bring you information about what's happening in this community and to hopefully do so in a way that can educate you and open Uh, your eyes and minds to other things you might not have known. Uh, There's a lot happening in a community that is growing such as this one and has been growing for many years. I'm Sean Tubbs, your host, and I'll be back tomorrow with another installment of this program. Thank you for being here.